This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This is Juliana McIntosh. And I'm Brad Sutton. And, and this, this is, is The Art, Art of, of Drinking. Drinking. With Join Jules. And your favorite uncle. This is the best home bartending podcast. Where you learn how to make two drinks. A classic. And a twist. Plus a little backstory on the cocktail. So you have an interesting story to tell when you serve your guests. Your home crafted masterpiece. Hey, Jules. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Yeah, I'm pretty good. Drinking a little uh, amaretto sour. A little amaretto sour. I am going to ask you a question, which you can then ask me. Outside of our podcast, are there any cocktails you've been drinking lately that you want to talk about and make note of? Any cocktails that we've been drinking? Oh, man, Jules, that's so hard for me to answer because I... One, I drink a lot of the cocktails we make on the podcast. I Two, I love an old-fashioned. Okay, here's an example. I was in Vegas, and we're out there for the uh, Vikings-Raiders game. Of course. And I had to go look up Chris, mm-hmm. not just a bartender, right? At not just a bartender, because he guy. works at Vetri, which is in the Palms. Uh-huh. And I highly recommend for anybody who's listening, if you find yourself in Vegas, go to the Palms and go visit Chris at the bar at Vetri because one, he is such a nice, nice, nice guy. Two, he makes a hell of a cocktail. <laughs> and three, he talked about the view he had when we did the interview with him and we did the mojito. Mm-hmm. That's for real, man. Really? That is a great, great view. Yeah, wow. so the food's fantastic. If you don't like what you're eating, let me know. I'll buy it for you. Not really. <laughs> But that's how, I mean, that's how much I believe in. And it was cool. It was cool to sit there. And he said, like, yeah, people come up and visit him all the time. So he's totally cool with it. That's so, awesome. Thanks, Chris. That's awesome. So old-fashioned. Oh, uh, so what was I drinking? Old-fashioned. Yeah. yeah. He made me an old-fashioned. It was outstanding. If you can make it good old-fashioned, I mean, you can do anything at that point. Well, Brad, <laughs> I, I do have to say, I've been drinking a cocktail that, and I think when this podcast comes out, it'll be after the holiday, but kind of coming into the new year. If you're not doing dry January, or even if you're looking for something fun, maybe you are doing dry January, I don't know. This cocktail is so fantastic. You know I call myself the CEO of uh, Spritz Season. (laughs) It's a Lambrusco Spritz. Have you ever heard of it? Oh, yeah. I've not had a Lambrusco Spritz, but I've had Lambrusco. Oh my God. I have been sipping that. When we're recording this, it's before the holidays, so... When I go home for the holidays, it's what I'm going to be making, that and a dirty martini, for everyone. <laughs> it's it's an Amaro. 
It's Lambrusco. It's soda water. Yeah, soda water. And you garnish it with olive oil and olives and a grapefruit slice. Oh, and a gra- uh, fresh what? grapefruit juice. Yeah, it's so freaking good. So that's Whoa. what I've been drinking lately. And I just want everybody to know, outside of the cocktails that we make on this podcast, you need to try the Lambrusco Spritz. It's fantastic. Okay, so for starters, this is going to be so frustrating. We're not going to go into the recipe right now, but I hope you've got that somewhere where people can find it. Yeah, it's it's on my website. It's on my Instagram. It's everywhere. Okay, what what do you call what do you call a Lambrusco Spritz? Yeah, Lambrusco Spritz. It's really really good. But today's recipe is that's not even fair. But okay, yeah, <laughs> today's recipe is. The amaretto sour. No, no. I think it's equally as good. So here's what I say. Lambrusco spritz to start. Wine for dinner. Amaretto sour for dessert. And we have just set you up for success. (laughs) Seriously, I love an amaretto sour. It's one of those where I make it and I'm like, God darn it. And maybe it's because, and people who've been following me long enough, who've even been listening to this podcast long enough, know I'm a sucker for egg white. I love that velvety, frothy texture. That with a little sweet liqueur like Disarono that I'm using, amaretto more generically, it's fantastic. So I'm so excited to be covering this cocktail because Brad, believe it or not, when I first started out joining Jules and making cocktails, a lot of people were. Requ- this was one of the most requested cocktails outside of like an old oh, fashioned. Good. Isn't that interesting? Well, it's it's definitely making a comeback, and you yeah. know, we kind of talk about that, right? Because I think there's somebody that's responsible for the comeback. But yeah, this is a cocktail that some people are like, ugh, because they're thinking about the amaretto sours of like the 80s and the 70s, where it's sour mix, right. and amaretto and ice, and that's it. Gross. Of course you don't like it, right? With the big red cherry in there, like like in the orange slice. Like, get out of here. Like, no way. But you throw that sour mix over your shoulder, and you incorporate a little fresh lemon juice, a little simple syrup. And in this case, we're also incorporating some cask drink bourbon and an egg white. Or cognac. Cognac. Yeah, like the drink is way better when fresh ingredients are involved, which is the true for like anything. So we'll get into like a better version of the Amaretto Sour. We'll call it the Morgenthaler's Amaretto Sour. And then you're getting into, what's your drink called? We're doing the Amaretto Flip. The Flip. Yep, it takes inspiration from the Amaretto Sour because we're using Amaretto. But instead of using an egg white, and please, you guys, don't turn off this podcast when I say it. I promise it's delicious. We're using a whole egg. I love egg white cocktails. And amber gris, right? Aren't you using amber gris in this one too? Amber the eggnog gris. episode. What? <laughs> Remember the amber gris from the eggnog episode? That's <laughs> the grossest no. thing I've ever heard. Oh. All right. I, oh. Yeah, I'm moving on. No, yeah. we're not doing uh, animal guts in this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm sorry. <laughs> People are gonna be like, "Was that an inside joke?" No, just go back and listen to the eggnog no, episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That right. w- that's disgusting. This cocktail is not. We're doing an amaretto flip. We're doing a sour, and then we're going into kind of the backstory on kind of how the amaretto sour got here. Yes, and then uh, you've got tips on how to make amaretto. I've got tips on how to make amaretto. It's never going to be the OG stuff, but darn it, it's good and easy to make at home. 
but it, it is easier than you think. And a lot of people have been making it for years and years. But the most popular to find at the store is that Disarono and Lazzaroni. Lazzaroni. Yeah. And there's some others too. But. All right. Well, I tell you what, I could use another drink. Yeah, me too. All right, Uncle Brad. I love this cocktail so much. And I'm so excited to see you make it in the right way. So walk me through the classic Amaretto Sour. Yeah, I'm going to walk you through, but over from my cocktail station. Yes, here. yes. Cocktail station is a mosh. All right, you can still hear me? Yeah. All right, so we are making the Amaretto Sour, but it's probably more appropriate to say we're making the Morgenthaler Amaretto Sour because this recipe actually comes from Jeffrey Morgenthaler, and it is way better than the Amaretto Sour made with the traditional sweet and sour mix and incorporates a little cask strength bourbon because the cask strength bourbon helps to fight off the sweetness that Amaretto and even a little simple syrup uh, brings to the cocktail. All right? Cool. Yeah. Walk me through it. I've got uh, my Amaretto de Sorno. Let's see. I've got a little lime, a little lemon. I did juice the lemon. Ahead of time, smart. I did juice the lemon ahead of time. Every time, I'm I'm always like, oh shoot, yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. And I also kind of pre-measured my egg white because this actually calls for not just an egg white, but a half ounce egg white. Wow. All right, let me grab my shaker tin here and uh, move my glass out the way. Boston shaker, tin on tin. And so I'm going to add my egg white first, even though it's pre-measured. There's no chance I'm going to bust the yolk in there, but. I still think it's a good habit. Put your egg white in first in case you are just going freehand with that egg yolk. You don't want to get egg yolk in the drink and throw everything out. All right, so I got my egg yolk in there. I'm going to do one and a half ounces of... Di Sorono. Di Sorono. In you go, Di Sorono. Yum. I love that liqueur, by the way. Like, I could drink that over ice. I know that that's kind of gnarly, but I love it. <laughs> no. It's not gnarly at all. That's totally fine. It, I love amaretto. It's so good. Yeah. All right. So now I'm going to use uh, cask strength bourbon. So this is 122 proof. Yeah. Elijah Craig, I'm trying to clear out some of my bottles that have a couple of swallows left. So this is the cask strength bourbon I have. And I'm going to go three quarter ounce of the cask strength bourbon. Oh, put that off to the side. Now I'm going to do one ounce of lemon juice. Love it. Love it. If it's not fresh, we don't want it. And then I'm going with (laughs) one teaspoon of simple syrup, which works out to be about like uh, that. Yeah, that's that's smart. If if you've never had amaretto before, it's on the sweeter side. 100%. Yeah, just be careful. So my egg white's already in there. And now what we're going to do is we're going to dry shake. Okay, so we'll have to edit this. yeah. All right. Woo. 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 Workout. Number one. <laughs> now we're going to get our ice. And I've got my ice in a little handy cooler here. So. Yeah. Workout number two. Commencing. Plenty of ice. Oh, yeah. is my favorite sound though. I mean, I'm kind of like a squirrel. Whenever I hear a cocktail shake, I'm like, huh? Where? All right. Pour this bad boy in. You know, he says to uh, double strain, so I'm going to do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you shook that bitch hard. 
Look at that. God, look at that. I love it. That is a good froth, Brad. From over here, it looks fantastic. Look at that cherry taco. Yeah, this time it's a lemon peel with a cherry. So. Wow. Ooh, I bet that tastes so good. I love this one so much. Off the yeah. charts. Now, he says that if you use an immersion blender, it works even better, even creamier. Yeah. I, mean, I don't feel like doing that. <laughs> One of the reasons why I like egg white cocktails is just that velvety texture. You really can't beat it. And I love an amaretto sour. I also like a little sweet. I mean, both of those two things together, I mean, come on. Yeah, 100%. Okay, Brad, are you ready for me? Yeah, bring it on. Okay. So this is fun because it is using your main ingredient, which is the amaretto, and it's using an egg. But instead (laughs) of making a sour... We are going to make a flip because right now, I don't know about you, I freaking love flips right now. I made a Shinar flip, which I kind of took inspiration from for this, and it was chef's kiss. So this cocktail is- it is, Shinar or is it Chinar? I've just way. been saying Shinar. Chef's kiss. Okay, bring it. Sorry, I didn't mean to throw you off. No, it's okay. So I hope I inspire and motivate people to try something new. Because we are going to be adding a whole egg into our cocktail shaker. Yes, yolk and all. Trust me. It's like a protein drink. So mm-hmm. we're adding in one whole egg into our cocktail shaker. Now from there, I'm going to add in a full ounce of my amaretto. And the reason why I did an ounce instead of an ounce and a half is because I like playing with this cocktail with cognac over a uh, rye whiskey. But I would say if you're going to do a rye, then I would do the ounce and a half of amaretto. But if you're going to go with a cognac, which also is slightly sweeter, I would do the one ounce of amaretto. So kind of up to preference. But I did one ounce of amaretto because I'm going to do three quarters of an ounce of cognac. All right. Hello, cognac. Hello, cognac. I know me too. Uh, Okay. Yeah, me too. It is like my favorite thing right now. Okay, so we have that in there. Then I'm going to add in about an ounce of coffee liqueur. And then last but certainly not least, I have a chai syrup here. Okay, we did a half ounce of our coffee liqueur and a half ounce of our chai syrup. Now, Brad, I always dry shake with my flips. Do you dry shake with a whole Yeah, I don't know. It's... I, I do, and sometimes I don't, right? Like, I can still get a good froth going without dry shaking. Yeah. So, if I don't want to dry shake, I won't. I'm going to dry shake. You know, by the book, should you? Sure. But, like, I don't know. It's just the most important thing is, is that you shake hard, right? Like, yeah. that's the thing that when people make egg white cocktails and they're not aggressive with shaking, shake hard. then the egg white cocktail just kind of comes out gooey and gross. Ew, ew, ew. Uh, that, that'll give me the egg ick just by hearing that. Oh, it did. Yeah, it's just, it's not a good look. No. <laughs> no. Okay, adding my ice in. All right, here we go. All right, all right, all right. Moment of truth. A little nutmeg on top. No, look at that. It's just too good. Come on. Now, what are we seeing here? Think about a less sweet, more delicious, 
boozy, creamy milkshake. It's so good. And I love all these wintry flavors. It's shaken with ice. It's cold, but it warms you up. It's so good. And if you love a creamy cocktail, Brad, I think you really got to try this one out. It's just... Is the coffee pretty strong in there? No. It's like a perfect faint to like meld the flavors together. And I think it's because of the chai syrup. I think the chai syrup really helps bring out all those flavors together. Sweet. All right. I love it. Well, cheers. Huh? Clink. Woo. Okay. Well, now we have our cocktails. Bradley. Got our cocktails. Should we get into the story? Yeah. Should we do our history lesson for the day? No. Let's talk about the history. All right. Let's do it. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Uncle Brad, I have my flippity flip and I'm ready to flip the (laughs) script and learn about the history of the Amaretto Sour. It's such a classic. I feel feel like everyone forgets about it and then remembers it towards the end of the year because it is, I feel like kind of that fall wintry cocktail. When you have it again, you're like, dang it, that's good. And it's good for a reason. Yeah, it's good for a reason. Like, I don't know if I could knock back a bunch of these. Right. Kind of like a white Russian, you know, you only have one. Yeah, totally. Two. But one's like really nice, right? For like a dessert cocktail. Totally. That's the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. So the history of the Amaretto Sour. Now, unfortunately, the history behind the drink is quick, right? It's thin at best. So what I'd like to do, and I think this actually plays into the history of the cocktail. In fact, it does play into the history of the cocktail. I think we should talk about the history of Amaretto. Okay or at least where it came from. And sure. then the history kind of behind American Italians, right? Like Italians in America. Come on. How that, I know, I know. And I'm actually curious to kind of know some of your family perspective on this, but just how evolution of Italians in America, how that kind of came about because it, it actually has a role here in Amaretto. And then we'll talk about where the Amaretto sour, just like how it got here and then where it's at today. So... That sounds good to you. I'll dig in, Jules. All right? Sounds great to me. So here we go. Now, let me start off by saying this. Amaretto. Yep. What does the word amaretto sound like? Sound like? What's it sound like? When you think, when you hear amaretto. Well, I mean, just because I know it's almond, right? No. And that's what a lot of people think. They're like, oh, amaretto is Italian for almond, and it's yeah. not. Okay. It means a little bitter. 
So now look at the word amaretto again and tell me what you see. Amaro. Amari. Yeah. Jeez. These guys are good. Isn't that cool? These guys are good. They're good. They're yeah. so good. Freaking yeah. Italians. The Italians and their Amaro, which Brad, by the way, I know we're going to, I'm totally going to go off, off gears here, but I'll bring us back. Bring go off gears. We need to get into Amaro one of these episodes. If there's a place to go explore, it's drinking in Italy. Okay, I perfect. I almost feel it could be a season, right? Like yeah. you could just talk about, because Italian spirits and Amaros and vermouths and liqueurs, it's kind of like it's a newish thing mm-hmm. to us, believe it or not. So let's talk a little bit about the history and this will kind of become a little bit more apparent. All right, so we figured out that amaretto means a little bitter mm-hmm. in Italian. And there are multiple makers of amaretto. It's not just... Di Sarano. Right. Di Sarano. Di Sarano. But you've also got Lazzaroni. Different style, but still making amaretto. And then you've got makers like Bowles and other whatnot that's not from Italy. Okay? Yeah. I almost kind of feel like amaretto deserves like a, like it needs to be, just like kind of like tequila can only come from a certain area in uh, Mexico. I don't know. But I just, I think too many people are invested now outside of Italy in the amaretto game that they're not going to do that. Yeah. Anyways, I'm going off on a tangent. Two families claim responsibility for creating amaretto. Hmm. Lazzaroni being one of them. And then the Reina family of Sorono. The Lazzaroni family is also from Sorono. Ooh. Drama. By the way, when you hear di Sorono, that means of Sorono, right? So, and it used to actually be called, a lot of people might still call this Amaretto di Sorono, but they actually changed their name to just di Sorono a while back. Wow. Okay. So let's start with the Lazzaroni family. Okay. The Lazzaroni starts that there was a bakery back in the early 1700s and a cardinal from Milan was visiting Sorono and people in the area wanted to make gifts for this cardinal. And so this bakery came up with a cookie using apricot kernels, ground down, a little sugar, flour, egg whites, and... Biscotti? Oh, no, not biscotti. Okay. But this gets interesting. Okay. So they make this cookie and the signature flavor of the cookie is amaretto. Now you're like, wait a minute, you said apricot kernels. Yeah, apricot kernels Yes. are called bitter almonds. Mm -hmm. And they actually have an almond flavor to them. Yes, they do. they also contain cyanide. So if you consume 40 to 50 of them, it'll kill you. Yes. But the Italians consider cherry pits, they consider apricot kernels, peach pits, all of that is called a a bitter almond. Mm -hmm. And the almond is actually a relative to the peach and apricot. And my dog agrees, as you can hear in the background. (laughs) The Lazzaroni family, they make these cookies. And by the way, they were the first family to commercially package and sell cookies. Wait, but what cookies? FYI, the Lazzaroni cookies. You've seen them. If you've ever been standing in line at like Marshall's or TJ Maxx and you look at the random food things they have out, they're in a red tin or a red (gasps) bag. Wait. Yep, that's the cookies. I'm going to look this up right now. (laughs) They come from way back when. Oh my God. God, that's right. Yeah, you see them, uh-huh. right? Yep. We'll post wow. a picture up and we do this on YouTube too. Wow. I know, I know. So in 1851, 
they created the amaretto liqueur by infusing spirit with the cookies. And so today, the Lazzaroni recipe still uses those amaretti cookies. And that's the name of the cookies, the amaretti. That's cute. That's fun. I love that. Those Italians. Those Italians. I can't help it. Those Italians. They're so smart. Yeah. Everything tastes good. All right. So now let's go to the Reina family. All right. The Reina family, which is the family that still owns the company that distributes Di Sorno. Di Sarano. Say it for me. Di Sorono. Di Sorono. I don't know why. I want to go Di Sarano. Tequila Blanco. <laughs> Di Sarano. It's okay. You know what? The fact that you're highlighting it is enough for me. Usually my Italian accents and pronunciations goes great. Sometimes I get hung up. I get it. It's tough. Yeah. So we're now going back to 1525. Whoa. And there's an innkeeper and she's a young woman who has been widowed. And she fell in love with an artist, Bernardino Luini, who is the gentleman who also he immortalized her in a Madonna fresco in the church of the Madonna in Sorono. So if you go into the church of the Madonna in Sorono, you can see this woman is there. So she gave him a gift. She made amaretto. And by the way, you can make homemade amaretto. So it's not super difficult. Which, yeah, we're going to talk about on our tip, by the way. So in case you forgot. Oh, sweet. You're not going to be grinding up apricot pits, I hope, because you don't want to do no. that. <laughs> nope, nope. Yeah. We're doing an easy version. Okay, don't worry. And by the way, right. for those wondering, I just had to look it up. Sorono is northern Italy. It's right outside of Milan. Yeah, it's by Milan. Uh-huh. Correct. Because I was like, where, where in the hell is this place? <laughs> yeah, so let me tell you a little bit more, all right? All right. So in the 1600s, Giovanni Reina kind of rediscovers the recipe that this young woman used for amaretto. And they start making it kind of as a family beverage and probably distributing around town. And then in 1900, Dominica Reina opened up a store and a workshop just outside or right at the train station that connects Sorono to Milan. Yeah, okay. And then this is where amaretto, at the time it was called Amaretto di Sorono, was first commercially sold, but it was sold in wine bottles, not the square bottle that we know today. Right. So there's the two families. The Di Sorono is probably the more famous of the amarettos that's out there. And in 1942, they transitioned to a square bottle, probably similar to the Lazzaroni bottle here because they were using wine bottles. Their bottle is iconic, by the way, with the knob on the top. I mean, talk about branding right there. Here's the cool thing, right? Like, remember when we talked about the Negroni Spagliato? Or maybe it was the Aperol Spritz. Might have been the Aperol Spritz. Okay. Up in Milan, remember how we were talking about that bartender didn't have glassware to put his cocktail in? So being that glassmakers, master glassmakers were nearby, he brought one of them in to make glasses, which Mm -hmm. is why kind of you got this big wonky glass, right? So same thing. Di Sorno. Sorono. It's God, okay. I don't know why I'm starting. Di Sorono. No. Yeah. Di Sorono. No, Sorono. So they want to separate themselves from all of the other amarettos out there. So they create this iconic bottle in 1971 that was made by this master glassblower. Yeah. And because it was near Milan, Milan's super trendy, high design. Like you can 
whoa, you can start to see where this design starts to take off in the yeah. bottle, right? Like the bottle is just, it's unique. It's got that rectangle shape. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got the the wavy glass, but then also the kind of avant-garde top, right? I kind of like it too, because it's kind of like a book. You can put it in the shelf to where like when you have a weird gap in your bar cart, you can just kind of shoop. <laughs> yeah. Zip it right in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. So that's 1971, but prior to that, they had just started exporting to the United States in the 1960s. Mm -hmm. So how they make it, you know, we talked about this, they use an infusion of apricot kernels, and then they have like 17 secret herbs and fruits that they incorporate also into it. And this is with Disarono. Yep, Disarono. And then the Lazaretti family or Lazaroni family uses cookies, and then others probably use a variety of different things. So I'll kind of quickly go through this part because there's just so much detail I could get into. But Italians started immigrating into the United States, right, in the 1890s, I think, through early 1900s. Mm -hmm. And they brought their traditions with them, right? And they lived in communities together. And so you've got Little Italy as an example in New York, you know, and that's because they wanted to live near their people. And what do they do? They open up shops and they open up restaurants. And we know the importance of aperitivos and digestivos for the Italians in wine with dinner. Like it's just, it's not sport. It just goes with the meal, right? Like it, it's right. a part of the meal. It helps you digest. It helps you get you hungry. It's ritual. Well, for Americans, we like sweet over here. Who? Us? <laughs> yeah, I know. The aperitivo <laughs> and the Italian style foods, like it just, it didn't really catch on early on in the United States. And then in 1972, the Godfather comes out. And the Godfather just, it takes the country. By storm. Still is, yeah. by the way. Great, great movie. Mm -hmm. So the Godfather comes out. People are like, oh my God, mind blown. And like, they're really starting to get into the Italian thing. And it already started to kind of happen in the 60s when we started to embrace diversity and culture a bit more. So people started to get a little bit more curious and Italians are kind of starting to get back to their roots a little bit more because mm -hmm. before that it was like loads of cheese and steaks and stuff like that. Well, no. And I mean, even my family, one of the reasons why we don't have as many roots and we don't know Italian is because when they moved here, you don't speak Italian. No. You learn English. Like, no, you were discriminated against. Yeah, yeah. You tried to blend in. No, crazy. Yeah, which is, it's sad because, you know, now it's like, ah, you think about Italy, it's like... You guys are cool. No, you guys are cooler. <laughs> like, I'm like, God, yeah. why did we leave? <laughs> I know. So Godfather comes out and things Italian take off. And so I was reading this article from the 1978 Washington Post. And they were talking about amaretto and just it was impossible to find. Now, they, it started coming to the United States in the late 60s, mm -hmm. right? And it's sweet, and, and so people are like, okay, yeah, they're kind of starting to get attached to it. Godfather comes out, boom, Amaretto takes off, right? Yeah. And it's like, you can't find it on the shelves anymore in the stores. Isn't that They crazy? were selling 100 million cases of Amaretto in 1978. That's crazy. Today, they sell about 1.2, 1.3 million. That's how crazy Amaretto got. Wow. So people were putting it on everything in their coffee. Cooks were working with it. And by the way, it goes great with whipped cream. It goes great in pancakes. It goes great in my coffee. I had it this morning. It goes great in your Tom and Jerry's. Yeah. So like Amaretto kind of becomes the in drink. And according to the author, he says, 
it, amaretto, has recently become the air quote in drink around Washington. It can give the would-be Deb or the part-time Playboy the proper touch of snob appeal. Now, Deb means debutante and Playboy means playa, right? Playa. <laughs> yeah. Playboy means Playboy. <laughs> yeah, totally. They're into it. They're drinking their amaretto on the rocks. They're feeling super cool. And, and of course, there was some dissenting uh, points of view as well. So you've got the guy in the article goes on to talk to a different bartender. And the bar, this is bartender Kelly is the only name I have in the article. And bartender Kelly said, well, when I work a place and the people begin to come in and ask for a drink like amaretto, I feel the place is in trouble because the funny dressed disco set, the kind who likes sweet drinks with manicured nails and maybe drive Chevy Malibus, they yes. like the stuff. Right. right. <laughs> Driving Chevy Malibus. <laughs> yeah. So that's how popular it became. But then you think about the amaretto, you're like, oh God, but it was so like, what? What a gross cocktail. And it's because it came from the cocktail dark ages, right? So back in the 70s and even the 60s up until the 90s, people didn't want to drink the drinks that our grandparents drank or their parents drank, right? They weren't into the golden era cocktails, the right. elegant cocktails that we've talked about, right? They wanted something that was sweet and syrupy and different. And the Amaretto Sour, which was by the book, sweet and sour mix, and amaretto, if you ever see a recipe for that, run. Yeah. Don't use sweet and sour mix. Don't use sour mix. You don't need to do that. Just 100%. simple syrup, yes. fresh lemon juice. That's what makes a cocktail. The fresh ingredients makes the cocktail taste great. 100%. But they didn't care about that back then. And how the amaretto sour took off, one, the environment was right. But two, going back to the Godfather, right? Mm -hmm. After the Godfather comes out, the Godfather cocktail spins out behind the movie and that's amaretto and scotch and then the godmother oh, yeah. cocktail comes out and that's amaretto and vodka the godchild comes out which is with cream and then the next thing i mean they're just looking around for things to mix up nobody takes credit for the invention of the amaretto sour it's just two freaking ingredients but the amaretto sour comes right on the heels of that and that drink becomes ubiquitous with that time period, and especially throughout the 80s. I mean, they were everywhere. You go to like a country club and they're drinking amaretto sours. You go to a bar, they're drinking amaretto sours. Like everybody's drinking amaretto sours until they weren't. Well, when you hit something so hard, I mean, come on, what, what do you expect? And it does. I mean, amaretto is delicious. It's great on the rocks with sour mix that prepackaged stuff. Like, forget it. Like, oh, gross. It's bad. And Maybe, you know, your palate is adjusted to that. But when you move on from something like that, you're like, okay, I'm ready for this thing to taste different. So the cocktail gets right. like dropped. People aren't drinking them anymore. Except for Jeffrey Morgenthaler, who said the Amaretto Sour was a guilty pleasure. And he looked at the Amaretto Sour and said, how can I make this better? So he threw the sour mix out, uses fresh lime juice, incorporates a little two to one simple syrup, and adds a little cask strength bourbon to stand up to the sweetness. And that now becomes kind of like the way that people enjoy the Amaros, or at least they should. So when he created it and he put it on his website, I was listening to an interview that he did. And he said, people were just reaching out. They're like, oh man, you can't call it the Amaretto Sour if you're going to change the ingredients in the drink. And it's like, I can appreciate that, right? Like, so it's not an Amaretto Sour anymore, right? That's why I call it the Morgenthaler Amaretto Sour because honestly, he did twist it a little bit, yeah. you know, kind of like, let's go back to like the Cosmopolitan, right? 
Neil Murray invented the cosmopolitan. Mm -hmm. Toby Chichenny put a bit of a twist on it, right. you know, with the absolute citron and maybe, in, you know, introduce Quantro because I know Neil preferred triple sec. Yeah. Like Chichenny shouldn't take credit, right, that he invented right. the, the Cosmo. He should be like, I modified it. Right. And Morgenthaler doesn't take credit for inventing the Amaretto Sour. He just modified it. So that is how we got to the Amaretto Sour today that we're drinking is, thank God for Jeffrey Morgenthaler, because who knows, this thing might be kind of stuck off in the uh, bad drinks of the 70s, <laughs> never to be revisited oh. again. And honestly, I think those drinks need to be looked at again with better ingredients. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the Amaretto Sour, the way you made it, fantastic. It's yeah. so good. If you layer it right, it can be very balanced and very approachable and very delicious, where I think that there are certain cocktails that have just kind of steered people away from really well-balanced, delicious, sweeter drinks, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a sweet cocktail for dessert. I just, you don't but want, that doesn't yeah. want to be the first thing you start with, right? right? Like when I, again, it just drives me crazy when I see bars serving espresso martinis with like chocolate and whipped cream and stuff like that. It's like, God, that is not the way that drink is supposed to be served. When I see this pale, like whitish brown color, I'm running <laughs> away. I'm, I'm out of there. Yeah, from the espresso martini, you mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's not starting to separate. You're like, yeah, forget about it. Yeah, yeah. And that's, again, I mean, that's why the espresso martini gets a bad rap, too, because some bartender from the 80s or 90s probably said, well, let's just Hershey syrup that thing. And wow. ugh. <laughs> Yeah, no, thank you. Well, all right. We've got a lot of ground we just covered. Yeah. And I've got a lot of ground I need to edit. So let's move on to the tip. Okay. Yeah, I feel good. I feel right. confident about Amaretto. So uh, let's move on. All right, Uncle Brad. We really hammered home the history of Amaretto and Amaretto liqueur, Di Sirono, all of it. I wanted to give everybody a very quick tip, which is how to make it on your own. And I will say, this is a very easy recipe. It does not beat some of the stuff you can buy. Just they've been doing it much longer. They have better equipment. Take my word for it. If you can go out and buy it, please do. But if you wanted to A, try something new or B, you're running low and you have these ingredients, which most likely you do, easy to put together. Essentially, what you're going to do is you're actually going to start by making a syrup. So I've seen a couple of different recipes out there. I've seen a couple of recipes with one cup water, one cup sugar, and a half cup of brown sugar. Not that I'm counting calories, Brad, don't come at me. But um, <laughs> sometimes I can find that to be too sweet. So what I like to do instead is I like to do a cup of water and a cup of brown sugar. So just keeping it one-to-one. -one. Regardless of how you do your syrup, you're going to make it the same way, right? You're going to put the sugar and the water together, medium heat, stir until the sugar dissolves. From there, you're just going to let it cool. And you, you do. You want it to cool completely because you don't want it to cook off what you're adding next, which is once it's cooled, you're going to add in two tablespoons of almond extract. And then you're going to add in about one to two. It depends on your preference, but I like two, maybe a little three of vanilla extract. You're going to mix that together. And then in a separate container, I mean, you can use an old booze bottle. You can use a weck jar. You're going to add in about two to two and a half. I like two and a half cups of vodka. 
Then you're going to add in that syrup mixture. You're going to mix it together. I do like to let it sit for a day or two before using it, Mm -hmm. but that's it. Then you have your own easy, quick, homemade amaretto liqueur that you just made at home. Damn. Really easy, right? sounds fantastic. Yeah. Well, I guess this amaretto liqueur thing, that was like a thing that Italians had in their... uh... Their kitchens, so say at some of these articles. Yeah, yeah. And I again, like I said, Disarono uses 17 different spices, right? So I definitely think if you want to make it at home, you can play with adding maybe a little bit of cinnamon or a little bit of nutmeg or whatever you want. But Disarono's been around for a while. Same with the other one, the Lazaroni. Lazaroni? Mm-hmm. Lazaroni. Yeah, it's been around for a while for a reason. They taste delicious, but it would be fun to get your bottles and try to make it as similar as you can and then write that recipe down Mm and have it to pass down to your family down the line. But uh, it's that easy. Yeah, cool. There's your tip. Well, there you go. Yeah. Thanks. Great tip, Jules. Thanks. That was easy. Uncle Brad. Cheers, Jules. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the show. Don't worry. We will have the photos and recipes for today's cocktails on the website, joinjules.com. And if you got questions or comments for us, hit us up on the Insta at the Art of Drinking Podcast. And of course, find Jules at Join Jules or at Favorite Uncle Brad. That's me, also on the Insta. And hey, subscribe to my cocktail club on Facebook. All you'll need to do is search Join Jewels Cocktail Club, and there you'll see what other cocktail enthusiasts are shaking up. This is a Red Rock Music Podcast. Don't forget, subscribe, like, and review The Art of Drinking with Join Jewels and your favorite uncle wherever you get your podcasts.